Well, thank you, Bryce, and also thank you all for this opportunity for me to be here and to talk about uh, what God is doing in India. I'll talk about that metal frame structure toward the end of uh, this presentation, but I just want to talk about India, just a brief few things about India, and uh, right now, as it is, uh, it's 1.39 billion. Uh, that's the population of India. And uh, this is an older number, but uh, nevertheless, it's still true with 90,000 babies that are being born in India every single day. Every single day. Um, now that's one of the train stations. Uh, you can see there um, on the uh, left-hand corner, you can see the numbers, you know, 12, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, something. And those are the ticket counters where people stand in the line and uh, try to get a boarding pass and, uh, and try to get on a train, and which sometimes might uh, appear like that. You might not really see a train there, but there is one underneath uh, all of those people. But again, you know, that just gives an impression of, you know, what, what kind of, you know, situation we're dealing with uh, the population uh, factor in India. India, when, when, you, when you think about India, you know, the first thing you would, that comes to uh, anybody's mind would be, uh, is the country uh, with the largest population with Hinduism. Uh, Hindus uh, are the ones who worship millions of gods. Uh, you know, here are just a few of them. I couldn't put all of them on, on a slide or two or even a hundred slides. Uh, just a, a few of sample, you know, there's worship, uh, Kali, where, you know, even human sacrifices take place sometimes, and they worship cows, they worship snakes. Um, on the, the bottom uh, left-hand corner, you have this nine little idols. Uh, There's a shrine for nine planets. Apparently, nobody told them one of them is not a planet anymore. Um, but still, you know, these are the places where these individuals, you know, highly, highly religious individuals. Uh, let me remind you that uh, these are highly jealous for their ways of doing things and highly religious people. Um, you know, here's a tree that these folks are worshiping. I mean, what makes somebody to, and as Isaiah puts it, you know, they worship this thing as it is alive, but if it, if it is dead, they will just chop it out and cook food with it. Um, but again, you know, what, what, what kind of mindset would, would, would take for a person to do that? And uh, I want to tell you something about um, a, a Hindu temple. Uh, it sits on the top of a, a hill. It has 3,500 steps to go to the top of the hill. And a lot of, a lot of them, there are several of my uh, friends who have took a vow that they would say, you know, God, and if you help me with this, you know, if you do this for me, they would say, I will walk on my knees to come see you. I mean, walk those 3,500 steps on the knees to the, to the hilltop. Well, and I can guarantee you those steps are not carpeted. Those are crude, rock-cut, and by the time these guys are through maybe 10, 15, they're already bleeding, and they want to finish that and come back next year. They might, might want to do it again. Um, again, you know, that just tells you how religious. Uh, nevertheless, they're, they're, that is in a wrong place, but they're, they're, these are highly religious people. One of the things uh, I, I tell uh, folks in the, in the United States is that I, you know, from my, my training uh, in the United States, all kinds of things, but uh, one of the things that really interested me was, was apologetics. Well, the thing of it is, in India, I'm yet to preach a sermon or teach a lesson on proving the existence of God. Well, because just about everybody else in India just believes some level of deity, uh, you know, some level of supernatural. 
But that thing aside, you know, India in around uh, by 2025, I guess, uh, you know, by, in three years, uh, it is going to be the largest Hindu country. It is already the largest Hindu country in the world, and it will be the largest Muslim country in the world, uh, going past uh, Indonesia's Muslim population, and it is going to be the most populous country uh, in the world, going past China's population. Uh, it is going to be a very interesting and, uh, you know, highly uh, uh, tricky situation. But I just want to briefly mention about something here. Apart from the work that is being done in India, um, um, my work at Harding is also focused on uh, what you're seeing on the screen in the United States, uh, helping uh, our brethren to reach out to their Hindu and Muslim neighbors uh, in a meaningful way. Uh, because these are, you know, their mindset is completely Eastern, uh, and the Western mindset is just uh, diametrically opposed on many, many things. And understanding their culture uh, will help, uh, help us go a long way in reaching out to these individuals. Uh, but other than that, you know, these are the different things that are happening in India. You know, one of the things when I, uh, when I finished my master's degree and went back to India, uh, I never thought about any of this and I, I never thought about or dreamed about it, having all these kinds of different ministries. Uh, but what, one thing I knew was it was more of an existential crisis because in here I am, uh, here I was at the time, uh, as a trained uh, physician, but also uh, trained in, in, in some level of Bible and ministry. And I was trying to say, you know, how am I going to use this too that God entrusted me? And not, you know, forsaking one, one or the other for the expense of the other. So I was, trying, I was determined to use both together. Uh, and here is God who has opened all these doors uh, for, for his work in India. Uh, one of the things is the Bible College. Uh, we started off uh, in 2015. And we had first graduating group. Uh, it's a three-year program. And now we are, uh, because of COVID, we have kind of slacked off and, and I have to kind of catch up a lot of things. And we're about to have another graduating group. One of the things we're also working on that uh, for the preacher training program of the Bible College is having some level of accreditation. And also have a, a trade college in conjunction with that where these individuals uh, can be trained in one of the uh, vocations or trades and be able to self-support themselves and, uh, and not only self-support themselves uh, in, in the country in India but also we're working on sending them to different, different parts of the world where they could find uh, jobs and, uh, and be, uh, you know, plant a congregation in those neighborhoods in those, in those countries. That is just a brief uh, overview of a cycle that we uh, follow in, in training these individuals. You know, the molding is the phase, uh, you know, Pardon me for these preachers, uh, all M words, but, uh, uh, but you know, kind of worked, worked well for me. Uh, and the molding is a phase where we train these individuals and the ministering is where they go into different, different places and different communities, um, trying to reach out to these individuals in those communities. And as they uh, bring together new, new converts, uh, they magnify God together as a congregation. And as maturation takes place and the mentoring of the new leaders takes place, uh, the, the leaders... Uh, whether they want to be trained or th these individuals who are uh, moved into that community want to move on to somewhere else, leaving this congregation with a new, uh, new group of leaders. Um, another area of work is the TV program. Um, and we're, using, we're currently using two different satellites. Uh, we are working on a couple more satellites to, uh, for more airtime. Uh, that is the, on the, on the right-hand side is the picture of the uh, the footprint of one, uh, one satellite where they claim to have the, the reach. 
Another one is the, uh, the free medical clinic, uh, clinics. Uh, we, you know, we want to say the dental uh, also is included in that. It's a little bit different now because we have some upgrade uh, that is coming along with this. We, it is a 5,000 square foot area facility that sits right on top of the church building. So when, when people come in uh, to these clinics, they, they know who is doing this and they, they actually walk through the, the gate uh, of the church building. Um, these are the different uh, the facilities that we have in the, in, the, in the clinic there. One of the things what we do uh, with the clinics, I just want to briefly mention, uh, Bryce, I can't see any time, the clock, uh, anywhere here. No, no, I, like, I just want to be sure that I don't want to go over. All right, thank you. Um, one of the things we do uh, with the, the, the clinics, the healthcare uh, situation is uh, we, when people come into our, you know, whether it is the located facility or uh, whether they come to our, our medical camps, what we call them, the mobile camps, what we do not do is have a Bible study on location at that point. Well, the reason for that is pretty much every single person who walks through these clinics are not in the right frame of mind to have a Bible study. Uh, they're there to, to get some kind of medical help or dental help or something. Uh, but what we did was, instead of having them sit down and study Bible and then move on to something else, we take their information and we, uh, we, we do all kinds of diagnostics. And when the reports come back and one of our Bible college students would go uh, to their houses and follow up uh, on them. And this is not going to be a one-time event, it is going to be a regular and repeated uh, building uh, relationships and friendships with these individuals who have come uh, through our doors. Which, that is something that we, uh, we found and um, which is, for our context, has proven to be a better fit than having a one-shot and, the, you know, forcing them to have a Bible study and then they might never come back again. Uh, so, but again, anyway, that is just one thing that I want to mention. Another area of our work is the clean water projects where it is primarily groundwater, filtering groundwater, where groundwater is filled with arsenic, uranium, and uh, heavy, heavy doses of fluoride. Uh, this is, these pictures here, what y'all are seeing is two of the guys on the top and the left-hand corner are uh, 30, 35-ish age. And the guy uh, with his mother is 20-year-old. Uh, and again, you know, that, that's what the uh, water with heavy pollution did to them, um, causing all kinds of damages uh, to their vital organs and their bodies. So what we have done is, you know, put in a reverse osmosis water filtration plant um, that filters all these, uh, all these uh, contaminants in the water and providing, you can see that from the black tank is where the, we collect the water from the ground and goes through, uh, you know, the cylinders on the back and uh, ends up in the stainless steel tank. Uh, ends up in the stainless steel tank where it's a, a pretty much a bottled water quality. Another area of our work is the Bridge to Hope, the Widows and Orphans uh, program. It is more of, two, these are the two marginalized groups in India. Um, I don't know any of y'all ever heard about widow burnings. Widow burning? Um, let me show you this picture here is a 
probably an 18th century painting of a widow who is being burnt alive with her dead husband. Uh, India, well, I guess then I would say not India, but it is primarily a Hindu practice where uh, widows are burned together with their dead husbands. Uh, you know, all kinds of reasons, quote-unquote reasons for that, but, uh, but the fact of the matter is they are considered bad luck. They're considered um, pretty much, um, I mean, for, for lack of a better terminology, pardon me for even saying that, they're pretty much considered, once they lose their husband, they're pretty much considered worthless uh, in that culture. Uh, especially, I'm not talking about others, but in a, particularly in the Hindu communities. Um, you know, just a few of the Hindu religious documents where they say, you know, when a woman's husband has died, she should either practice ascetic celibacy. Ascetic celibacy is no remarriage. It's not only no remarriage, it is like ascetic. You know, you just remove yourself from the communal life, go away and live like in a leper colony context and just live there all by yourself and never even thinking about remarriage. I do not know of any Hindu uh, woman in India who has been remarried ever uh, in India. And I even talked to some of the uh, Indian ladies who moved to United States and they tell, you know, their, their families, they have never had anybody. Uh, their widows are never remarried, even the living in the United States. Uh, again, it is just so ingrained in the, in, in our, in, in the culture and, and the lives of individuals. Um, and not only that, but you know, the, either they give her uh, an option of ascetic celibacy, and the other option is to ascend the funeral pyre after him and die together uh, with the dead husband. Another, uh, another area of our work is the, uh, the Christian Academy where we educate uh, these uh, facilities were primarily started to help with uh, uh, the orphans and the street kids. Uh, we had three different locations. Um, here's another one, and this is the third one, uh, to help the, uh, the underprivileged children in the, in the community where uh, they, they not only get to learn the, the secular education, but also uh, a good bit of, about God uh, of the Bible. Good Samaritan Fund is the, is the fund that is... Uh, basically started to help with uh, Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. Uh, when I say persecution, I mean, it is not, it, it can vary from, in India, uh, your social security is tied to a person being Hindu. You get, you get into colleges because you're Hindu. All kinds of benefits because you're Hindu. Uh, so when, when, when a person becomes and chooses to become a Christian, and you automatically forfeit all those social benefits. And that is just the material level benefits that you lose. As it is today, there are at least 10 states in India where it is illegal to convert anybody to Christianity. You have to apply and appeal to a magistrate for your conversion 30 days before the actual event of your baptism, and there is no guarantee that that magistrate will say, go ahead, I'll give you the permission to for your baptism. That has never happened so far in all these years. It could be, in, if you are found guilty of, of converting somebody without the permission of the government in those 10 states, you could be jailed and there's a, a hefty fine for that action. But again, these are, I'll give an example of one lady who traveled 3,500 miles 
two-way to get baptized in my home state because it is illegal in her, her home state. Um, but again, it is what it is. But those are, again, those are just a, uh, on the surface level, material level, persecution, and uh, to the point it can get where people could be killed uh, for their faith. There are actually a few that I have known personally who are killed uh, for their faith personally, that I've known them most of my life, and they're gone now. But again, you know, it's not every place in India is like that. Um, you know, there are bad places, and usually it is the, the, the northern provinces, northern districts are the ones that are uh, mostly radical in nature compared to the south um, in India. I guess just like here, uh, you know, the, the church is more uh, stronger in the, in the south than it is in the north. Um, you know, we try to help them with the different kinds of things, um, you know, self-employment programs. But again, it's just to help them get back on their feet so that they can, uh, you know, for the time being, they might never get back to where they were socially. Uh, but again, the, the lady on the top right-hand corner with the red sari with her three children, her husband chopped her leg off uh, for... Uh, but again, it's, it's just a, a different kind uh, and different level of persecution that you uh, see in a country like that. Uh, we have this uh, tailing institute, and also we provide uh, tricycles for uh, individuals who are disabled, uh, waist down. We at least, you know, for these tricycles to work and operate, they at least have to have two hands working, where they can pedal with one hand and kind of steer with the other. Um, Another one uh, is the uh, rescuing sex trafficking victims. And uh, this, again, there are two different levels of this. Uh, one is, you know, blatant sex trafficking and prostitution. But the other one is the uh, glorified prostitution, which is the, the, God, the wives of gods. They, these are the prostitutes of gods in the temple, uh, where every single year, no less than 3,000 young girls, preteen girls, are sold into this kind of thing. They become God's wives every single year. And you can see uh, in the United States, you know, y'all talk about the tying of the knot, right? You know, it's no literal tying of the knot for a wedding. Well, in India, it is literal tying of the knot. And you can see the priest is tying the knot around this young girl's neck, uh, and uh, he's acting on behalf of God and, and for the rest of her life, and there is no telling who's going to act on behalf of God uh, as, uh, as a husband. Uh, but again, that is another thing that we're trying to rescue these, these young ladies. Um, another one is the uh, Bibles for New Christians. Uh, we provide a, a study Bible. Uh, it's not a study Bible, but it's more of a study guide. A hundred-page study guide for New Christians uh, that we developed uh, and put, put, put them together with the, the full Bible uh, for the uh, maybe first 40 days or uh, 60 days of their lives uh, as a Christian. The, uh, few groups with their new Bibles. Uh, COVID has, you know, we have done quite a bit of COVID uh, relief efforts. Uh, again, you can see there's little bags, different bags uh, we have done um, and all kinds of things over the last two, two and a half years now in a distribution of rice, uh, rice bags and the groceries and the vegetable bags. These things have been, and we actually have uh, in this two year, two years and two, two years and maybe a couple months, right? Um, uh, this 26 months, and we have uh, served over 1 million meals um, through this effort, uh, through all these people uh, in that part of the country. Um, 
We see these are the groups of individuals. You can see all these Muslim ladies uh, standing in the lines just to get some, a bag of rice uh, during the COVID time. One of the things, uh, especially during the second wave of COVID last year, around this time, you know, April, May, uh, the second wave was uh, extremely devastating and uh, quickly turned to where pretty much every, every COVID patient was in need of oxygen, oxygen therapy. And uh, I can guarantee you the medical school that I went to, it, is, it was uh, at that time 600 bedded hospital, now it was over 1,200 bedded. Um, that teaching hospital until last year did not have on-site medical oxygen production. There was none for that hospital. So that tells you, you know, what level of the crisis uh, India, Indian healthcare system was during those months. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we could not get the uh, oxygen generators uh, quickly enough. And so in the meantime, we had to compensate that through oxygen concentrators and purchasing some cylinders and filling them and waiting in line for, you know, and, you know 14 hours sometimes of, you know, all these guys who go there and stand for oxygen. Uh, and then you have this, um, another situation came with the black fungus. Uh, this black fungus was impact, infecting, I'm going to quickly pass through this slide uh, for just, you know, uh, not to make it so gross, uh, you know, that's, uh, that was black fungus that we had seen uh, in, in, in patients in post-COVID. And, uh, you know, we had to have the liposomal amphitrous and B injections and we couldn't find them at all. And this $50 injection was being sold for $5,000 to $7,000 in black market. And people are willing to buy it. But, but again, you know, this is the, uh, thankfully to God, we, uh, we not only uh, were able to provide supplemental oxygen through the uh, oxygen concentrators and all of that, but we now have a, a, a full level of oxygen production on site uh, in, in our facility. That's what you're seeing before we put, uh, put the metal frame building. Um, and this is the, uh, the oxygen cylinders, the generator that can produce anywhere from 400 to 500 cylinders per day. And that uh, is the only facility in the entire country that is owned by a Christian organization. And we are very, very thankful for that because there is just no telling. You know, all the, all the different aspects of work that we do, you know, the food distribution or, you know, the dental clinics or the, some other clinics and non, you know, non-life-threatening situations, you know, these are all, you know, are needed to be taken care of. And these are all something that you know, people need. And you know, we're glad to do and be able to help them and be a part of their, their lives. But when somebody comes for an oxygen cylinder, and you can be guaranteed that individual or somebody that the person knows is in life and, life and death situation. And that is where uh, this oxygen generator is, uh, is, is going to be and is, has been and continues to be a great blessing to many, many uh, families. Uh, but again, you know, when you think about all of this, you know, why? You know, why do we do what we do? You know, I, I have quickly ran through all, all of the stuff that are going on. Uh, but, you know, we all, we all remember, and I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, y'all are going through this Acts, the church, uh, in Acts, uh, the book of Acts. And in the precursor to that was the Great Commission, uh, Jesus' Great Commission, where in Matthew 28, 
He talks about in all authority on earth and on heaven has been given to him. And he, you know, he charges his people in, a, in that particular context to go and, and baptize the, the people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them what he has commanded them to. But when we think about that, you know, when, when Jesus said all authority has been given to him, and that makes him, whether it is in, you know, in heaven or earth, it is, it is his authority. Now that makes him, if all authority has been given to him, that makes him the Almighty. And that makes him deity. And that makes him to, for the, for the entire world, as, as, as Paul puts in Philippians 2, that every knee shall bow. And one day, whether it is not today, if it is not today, one day it is going to be a situation where it will happen. But when we think about that, as we, as we look at our, the opportunities that God has given us in this life, you know, his, his authority on earth will allow us to dare to go into all nations. Not just the Chanel Valley or the Little Rock area or the Arkansas. But, but, but it, it, it helps us understand if he has authority and God owns this Little Rock. And just, this is just a little bitty piece of his, his entire universe. And it is fully under, under his control. But if, if that is the case, and, and I want us to, I want y'all to think about what, what y'all could do. In thinking, you know, thinking out of the box, a lot of times, you know, we have been doing the same old thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But there, there can be something that could be done when, you, when we think out, outside the box, and it would be an eye-opener, literally eye-opener, when we could actually see what God is doing right in front of us. And a lot of times we just fail to, fail to see. And his, his authority in heaven, you know, gives us the only hope of success. And because, you know, we, 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 a lot of times we, we focus on our efforts and our skill levels and our, you know, whatever we want to say, you know, I'm not capable or he's capable or she is capable. But when we focus on that, the authority that Jesus has in heaven, and that is our only hope of success because, and he can provide that success. Um, but also, you know, his presence, he said, and I will be with you even to the end of the age, and his presence will leave us with no other choice than to go. Go so that the church here in Chanel Valley can bring the presence of God, not only to this neighborhood, but also to your workplace, because there are people looking. Because I was, I was just, uh, I was here a little, uh, maybe 8.40 or something, and I was just sitting in the car and just you know, observing people here and there. And I've seen so many people of my background to look from India. And they're here. They're here in, in y'all's neighborhood. And I can guarantee you, they would not be here without God's plan. Because Acts 17 tells that God has predetermined the, the, the habitations of the people's limits and boundaries where they are supposed to be living. If that is true, and God is expecting y'all to do something about it. And I, I pray for this church that y'all will see. Because you know, again, you know, as, as Bryce introduced me, and I'm, I'm a physician, I, I see things and I try to make a diagnosis. 
you know, and that is it's just a part of my life. You know, even if it is ministry or, or, or whatever, you know, it is the way it, it operates with me. And I want y'all to have some level of trained eyes because it, it comes with trained eyes to see what God actually is doing. You know, it's like, a, you know, it's, for lack of a better terminology, and I pardon me for even saying this, because, you know, if you see a crime scene, a forensic trained specialist will see the crime scene in a different light than some, somebody who has no knowledge of how to evaluate that. So for, for us to see what God is actually doing beyond these four, door, four walls, it, it takes, it'll take some level of training to see those kind of things. And appreciate what God is up to, not only in our lives, not only through our lives, in the lives of this neighborhood and this, this area. And I want, to, I want y'all to uh, think about that and you know, see what God has you know, put people in our lives uh, as we think about this and as we stand and sing. And, as, and I pray that God will help you go into these neighborhoods uh, through your, through your, through, as, as His ambassadors. And I pray that God will bless this church and continue to use uh, God's, uh, this, this church here uh, for His glory in bringing many souls to salvation uh, in Jesus as we stand and sing.